0: Welcome to the Global Hedge Fund Benchmark Study podcast series. My name is Tom Kehoe and I am the Managing Director, Global Head of Research and Communications at EMA. And with me for today's session, I have Steve Nadell, a partner at um, Seward and & Kissel, and Neve Ryan, partner at Simmons & Simmons, Ireland. Driven by our collective commitment to supporting the hedge fund industry, AMA combined forces with Simmons and & Simmons and Seward and & Kissel to explore the latest insights from across the alternative investment industry. The overall premise of the study was to look at the health of the hedge fund industry. We are extremely grateful to all the fund managers and investors who took the time to participate in the study and for sharing their perspectives with us in the many interviews that we conducted. From this piece of research, we highlight six key takeaways. Industry performance, fundraising, fees, sustainability in ESG, digitalization, and how hedge funds are positioning themselves for the future. And in this session, we will examine the latest trends regarding fees being charged across the industry. Um, So a a key area of interest uh, across the industry is the fees that are being charged by, um, by hedge funds to investors. And the report finds that hedge funds suggest that they have reached a tipping point regarding fees. And in particular, it's the management fee that has been charged to investors. Benchmark study um, reports that 14% of managers polled say that they've revised their fee downward over the past 12 months. And looking at the three-year period, that number being 25%. So, uh, Neve and, and Steve, what are your thoughts on that? I'll let you go first if she wants.
1: um yeah, I mean, I think i, I mean I'm, I'm kind of not i suppose I'm not surprised to see that. I think the there's also a difference between the size of manager that has you know able to kind of accommodate investors and reduce management fees versus. And bigger, bigger managers who obviously are able to kind of absorb costs more. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I I, I think and there, you know, I know we're going to come on to it, but there are lots of other discussions around fees and lots of other um, ways of kind of dealing with investor expectations around fees and competition in the market. Um, But uh, yeah, from from my uh, perspective, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of I'm not surprised to see that coming through in the study.
2: So I, I guess what I would add, and I, from what I understand, the study uh, is focused a lot on existing managers, not maybe quite as many emerging managers. So I was trying to reconcile the study with what we do at Seward and Kissel, a new hedge fund study as well, which interestingly showed that brand new managers on the equity side were actually a little bit up on management fees and non-equity managers were down, meaning meaning they brought their their fees down more. And I think uh, I was able to come up with my own theory here, which is as follows. I think during COVID, in the beginning of COVID, clearly the um, well-established managers had a major advantage in terms of marketing and raising capital because they already had the pre-existing relationships with all these big investors. As COVID went beyond two months, three months, four months, et cetera, et cetera, you had a, a little bit of a shift. Where a lot of these allocators, who prior to that had only wanted to meet people in person, they started to get comfortable with alternative approaches of uh, putting do, doing due diligence on these uh, emerging managers. So uh, they began to do more Zoom calls, um, more sort of other types of videos, and they also did uh, reference checks where they spoke to other allocators who they knew who may have already had a relationship with this potential manager. So what happened is there was a little bit of an evening up of the playing field because I think what happened is prior to COVID, the big managers, to, I'm not going to say they rested on their laurels, but if you're an allocator and you're making a decision to to invest in a big allocator, no one can really question you because they're a big allocator and they have 20, 30, $40 billion under management. But With this whole change in the dynamic from a due diligence standpoint, I think it's starting to put some more pressure on the bigger managers because a lot of the smaller managers and emerging ones have already brought their fees down quite significantly over the years. And I do think, and maybe we're going to get to predictions later, I think at some point you're going to see a bottoming out, especially on the management fee, because there are more expenses now than there were, say, five, 10 years ago that managers have to
0: bear. Steve, on that race to the bottom that you mentioned, um, and we did examine and and had a a population of managers that we were able to um, examine in terms of trends around new fund launches and fees that were being charged by um, new funds that launched. Um, We found that the average management fee was 1.15% across new fund launches, whereas the more established funds was 1.35%. So it does suggest, as you're saying, Steve, that there is a race to the bottom. Whatever the bottom has been reached, do not know. But curious, I'd love to get your views, and both Neve and, and yourself, Steve, on this. In terms of those new fund launches, we were hearing about it, and anecdotally too, that some of these new funds were launching with 0% management fee. Are you seeing that as a popular avenue? Do you think I, that that's I, something that's likely to take off?
2: Well, obviously, you have that whole all burn fee structure, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which I think is a lot more talk than it is action. I haven't seen too many managers adopt that. The one thing that I have seen uh, addressing your point is packaging of fees. And, and this is somewhat tax driven and also sort of opportunity driven. But I've seen managers who say, OK, you can pay me, let's say, one one in 20 or zero and 30. Pick your poison, so to speak. So I've seen a little bit of that, but to go out with a, a, a just a zero, at least from what I've seen, is pretty rare. Uh, because you know I, I think that would be more common in an SPV, because uh, an SPV usually there's not really any additional work that needs to be done by the manager, because oftentimes it's a runoff vehicle, or you might see uh, some existing managers who already have enough money coming in from their flagship fund to cover their sort of overhead, nut. That they can afford just to kind of throw the dice a bit and say you know what we're going to go out with this new fund concentrated strategy whatever higher alpha etc cetera, etc cetera, but we're just not going to charge a manager if anyone wants to come in 40 percent
0: incentive Neva, see you're nodding yeah. your head you would agree with that
1: yeah i agree i mean I, I i definitely don't think it's a trend that we're seeing and and as steve said as well and you know a small startup manager just can't really do that they just can't and so you know who's going to you know they're not going to be able to pay the fees and expenses and so you know it's just not an option so yeah you might see a bit of it or you know a zero percent share class or something like that but um definitely not a kind of a a very common feature or i think a trend we would be seeing
2: right i just the one thing i would i would add though is I guess the only exception, and I have seen some managers do sort of a Citadel-like expense pass-through. So mm-hmm. if you have an expense pass-through of overhead that's being paid by the partnership, you sort of don't need a management fee. I don't think it's all that common, and usually there's going to be a cap, but I, I am clearly noticing a little bit of a trend where there's there's a bit more in terms of expense pass-throughs than there's been before, and I've also seen some more caps on some startups with respect to the fund expenses as well.
0: Very interesting. Um, and then looking at the incentive rate or the performance fee, you know, there's various mechanisms that we talk about in the report, the use of the hurdle rate um, and the, even uh, clawback arrangements to the extent that you know, we have a blurring alliance between private markets um, and what you know, is typical in hedge funds. Um, what is your sense of what's happening in the marketplace around the various mechanisms that are put in place um, to put together performance or incentive fee structure.
2: You want me to take that first?
0: Great, Steve. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Sure.
2: So um, a few things. So hurdles seem to be somewhat making a comeback. Yeah, They had sort of disappeared for a while. Uh, I, I think if you go back 10 plus years ago, sort of pre-Madoff, they were very common, especially in fund-to-funds and, and maybe occasionally in some other sort of long-only funds. You're seeing a bit more now in uh, in some long-only or sh- or even short-only type structures. Uh, there, there are two types of hurdles that I usually would see. One is what's called the hard hurdle, which is uh, there's some sort of rate. It could be a fixed rate, let's say 5% or an index like the S&P 500. And it says you get 20% of any amounts in excess of the hurdle per year. And typically in those cases, the hurdle is non-cumulative. So if you don't meet meet the hurdle in year one, You don't have to do the hurdle squared in year two, but usually there's going to be a high watermark or a loss carry forward. Then the alternative is the um, soft hurdle, which says provided you have met the benchmark, the 5% or the S&P 500, then you get 20% from dollar zero. The one wild card that gets things very complicated, especially in some of these longer short only funds, is you're now seeing – uh, sort of incentive allocations convert to a fee on the, on the downside. In other words, if you beat the hurdle, but you're negative. So let's say the hurdle is down 20% for the year and you're only down 10%. So even though technically you haven't made profits because you've purely beaten the hurdle, you get paid on that 10% overage, but because there's no profits, it has to be, at least in the U S it has to be a fee. It gets, gets a little complicated. And then it gets into areas about, should it be a cumulative hurdle or not? Um, But we we see a bit of that. And then, you know, you mentioned the clawback. The only time I really see a clawback, I know you were talking about sort of the hybridization, a little bit of private equity. You don't really see it in side pocket funds because in the side pocket scenario, you don't charge an incentive until the side pocket is realized. However, we've seen some multi-year incentive allocations in some very sort of uh, value driven or long term type strategies where maybe there's a two or three-year realization type horizon on a lot of the assets. So in terms of matching what the investors and the GP want to do, investors say, you know, it's not fair that you take an annual carry if your realization isn't a two or three years out, So at least in the US. You, you take the incentive in year one, and then in year two, you do a recalculation going back two years. And if the GP was overpaid, it has to pay back the excess net of taxes back to the investor. That's a very investor-friendly concept. I don't see a lot of it, and it's super
0: tax-driven, but that's really the only clawback that I see. Thank you, Steve. Niamh, any observations? No, I week? mean,
1: I think I kind of, I don't know that I've much uh, else to add to what to what Steve is saying, although I haven't really seen that much on clawbacks. Um, and yeah, longer kind of, longer calculation periods, you know, during, over which that performance fee is measured, I suppose, is just something else that we are, that we are seeing but yeah other than that um high water marks and hurdle rates yeah um that that's pretty much what what we see and and, and we talked about it a bit already but a, a bit of um um more generally i suppose on on pass through and things like that but again that's for the more in demand managers that are able to kind of command that if you like from sure. investors as opposed to investors being able to drive it
0: so it, it feels that, you know, to go back to our earlier question on that alignment of interest and particularly as it relates to fees, the crystallization of fees, it's, it's more consistent with what investors are looking for now. you crystallizing at least on an annual basis and these strategies, um, you know, th- there is a fair crystallization in terms of, you know, how strategies and, and their M turnover and to the extent that they're liquid or not, it aligns itself well to the fees being charged, yes.
1: Yeah I mean I, I think it, it's it's like everything I think in our world which is there's so much more focus now on on fees and you know to extend you're in any kind of regulation environment regulators are looking at it there's a lot more transparency expected I think from investors um, and you know and then increased competition and things like that means that I, I, depending on the manager depending on the strategy and depending where the investors are of course but I think you know, there have to be. Um, you know, managers have to come up with ways. You know, if they're really trying to fundraise to to get the investors in, especially if they're kind of um, new in the market.
0: Now, crystal ball gazing. We talked about perhaps the the bottom that the market being reached or a race to the bottom in terms of fees. But to what extent might the tailwind of performance that we've seen across the industry? And I'm looking at first quarter and our own confidence index we've done with both Simmons and Seward is pointing to the industry being in a good shape in terms of their confidence for the next 12 months, as well as performance. The hedge fund uh, on average reporting 6% net of fees for the first quarter after a strong 2020. To what extent might that conversation turn around again if you've got another 12 months of strong performance? Might hedge funds then be looking at maybe increasing d fee. Steve neve, what 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 do you think now, crystal ball gazing for the next twelve months? How do you think fees will shake up over the coming period?
2: I, I don't think fees are going to increase significantly, honestly, it's it's I don't even know what the returns are going to be this year. I think there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. Clearly, uh, you know you have the pandemic in the u s. we have uh, Biden's tax proposal. Every day you turn on the news, there's some new cyber hack. You know, Russia's now hacked some oil pipeline in the U.S. So there's just, I think, too much uncertainty to sort of get into the predictions. But I I do think, like I said before, I think we're getting to the bottom of fees. It is possible certain managers may feel a little bit um, empowered if they do really well to um, maybe come out with a higher fee structure. Or I I don't think it's going to be done for existing clients because you typically would need consent. But certainly... For some of the higher demand strategies of of some of these managers, they'll set up a new class. Say, you want to come into my fund? Fine. It's two and a half and and 25 instead of one and a half and 20. I I do think you're going to see more of these sliding scale fee structures as assets grow, where as the assets go up, maybe the the fees, especially on the management fee side, go down. I think you're going to continue, continue to see more longer lock classes, Because I think that unless you're a quant, I think it's pretty hard to sort of make a lot of money on the alpha side in very short term trading nowadays because computers are just so strong. So it's hard to compete with them. And I think you're going to see more of these anchor classes because I think managers, whether they're sort of day one or even later on, need to get that chunk of capital lined up to get them to critical mass, to compete with the bigger managers so they can pay their personnel. Those are sort of my predictions, I guess.
0: Thank you, Steve. And many thanks to you both. The report, the Global Hedge Fund Benchmark Study, is available for download and read on AMA's website, Simmons & Simmons' website, and Seward & Kissel website. Thank you.